Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Okay, our second podcast in the You Are Intuitive, Sensitive, and Psychic series is called What the Hell? (laughs) Um, Four Steps to Relabel Your Intuition. So I wanted to name it what the hell because intuition is quite complex and people's confidence with it can take a lifetime to develop. People's understanding of intuition can take a lifetime to develop. And so sometimes when I, not even sometimes, but every time I'm with a new student, we are starting at a place of relabeling. We're relabeling how they have filed their intuition over the course of a lifetime. Um, Sometimes, you know, we've talked about this before and we're going to talk about fully in this podcast about why labeling and contexting intuition accurately is the key to understanding it, controlling it, trusting it, using it in real time. Um, When we have things labeled inappropriately or incorrectly, um, there will always be a hesitancy, a confusion, a doubt. Um, and I think the saddest part of it is that people can tell you you're wrong or you're being whatever, fill in the blank. Um, when you're actually being intuitive and you're using your psychic skills, the, the senses that God gave us to, you know, navigate this dimension, um, and we're living in a time where I think, uh, I don't think this is, is my full opinion. We need to grow up and understand our intuitive selves. We need to trust our intuition. Um, there's so much bullshit uh, going on today that to navigate that alone, <laughs> just that alone, we must be intuitive. We must be tuned in to the language of our spirit, the language of our soul that guides us and directs us to the truth in every moment. So, um, what, you know, working with my clients and my students and relabeling and contexting their incredible intuitive skills appropriately, that's where I see this massive transformation in their own lives as it did in mine. Um, so, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about some stories because I, I want to context this appropriately for you. So you know what I'm talking about. You kind of understand like abstractly labeling intuition sounds a boring, <laughs> b stressful and c kind of like inconceivable that that would ever happen. But I want to tell some stories because it can be playful. You know, if we can be come from a place of fun and self-acceptance and like some compassion for what has been our truth or why we've had to do what we've had to do, um, we can start, you know, opening up to incredible clarity around our intuition. And so that's my goal in life, in my work, is to make your personal intuition as clear and as joyful and as um, directive in every moment of your life too. So um, we're going to talk about a couple stories and then I've got four, nope, I've updated it. We've got five steps to relabeling that intuition. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this is how it looks. Okay, I'm in a session with a new student and 
what I do is I'll have them read me and I teach them my three part scan and you know, it's just something that you just kind of have to jump off the cliff and you just have to start saying what you're getting. Even if you don't know how or what in the hell you're getting or how you're getting it, you just, my students just start talking they start saying what they're getting. And I will take notes, you know, cause these days it's all on the phone, um, because of COVID. <laughs> so I'm taking notes, I'm writing down what they're getting and they just keep going. And then, y you know, if it's appropriate, I will validate what they're saying and or I'll just be quiet until they feel like um, the images or the feelings or the things that they're getting is completed. And a pretty much 95% of the time, every single student I've had is getting evidential psychic information. And so I will take, you know, a look over my notes and I'll tell them, this is what you're getting. This is the timeline. This is who you're looking at. Um, you know, and basically at the end of the session, I'm like, look at what you just did. Can you, can you even believe this? And every time they're like, no, I can't believe, like they are in disbelief at the incredible accurate reading they just gave me. They're, they're in awe of their own ability to know what they know. Um, so again, we're, our intuition is made up of our clairs and our clairs are clairvoyance, clear seeing, right? Clairaudience is clear hearing. Clairvoyance is seeing. Did I already say that? Clairsentience is clear feeling. And claircognizance is knowing. Um, so I get into the skill and I, I will have to tell them back what they were getting and how they were getting it. And sometimes when they're um, in the middle of reading, I'll say, how are you getting that? well, I heard something, you know, or how are you getting that? Well, I just feel it. I just really feel it in my heart. And, um, you know, how, how are you experiencing that? Well, I'm seeing images. Like I can see the wheat next to the dirt road. I mean, it's just incredible. So I'll, I'll kind of go into the skill. I'll take notes. And again, like 95% of the time I have had evidential reading. And when I say well, the last 5% is maybe because they're just still really nervous and they're just, you know, still really scared to even talk. And, and that's the biggest hurdle is being vulnerable enough to just say what you're getting intuitively because most people aren't raised, um, to just openly read people. I do hope on the planet now that's becoming um, less accurate, but for older people, um, you know, if you ask my kids, what are you getting? They'll both just straight up tell you. They'll fight to tell you first. <laughs> so, but that was certainly not the case in my childhood. And that's certainly not the case in most of my uh, students and clients, which are probably average of 50 years old and older. Um, so, um, okay, I'll, 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 I want to share kind of a, crescendo of uh, growth with one of my students. Um, so she kind of knew she was intuitive, but definitely did not think so. So at the beginning of our work together, um, you know, she was one of the students that really challenged me. Like, well, if I was so psychic, why didn't I know blah, blah, blah. Or if I wasn't, if I was so psychic, why did this happen to me? Or, you know, all the things that we say to ourselves when we don't fully understand how intuition uh, works. We think of it through the lens of Hollywood, 
where we just sit around and rub our heads and predict everything and stop everything and know everything. That's just not real life intuition. Real life stuff is you're living your life and you get intuitive messages throughout the day, particularly when it's important. Sometimes when it's not important, you'll know, but psychics tend, uh, you know, especially if you're born this way, we try hard not to make your stuff our business. So I would say most born psychics push intuition away um, because that's how we've coped with it our whole lives. So a lot of our recovery is embracing it and slowing it down and asking questions around it. Um, where I see people that are like, intuition's not real. Okay, some shits hit the fan in their life. So now they're like, okay, what's this intuitive stuff? They tend to be faster to their intuition because they're coming from a place of not doing weird things with it for 20, 30 years before they're finally ready to deal with it and look at it and control it. Um, so she would really challenge me at the beginning and that's okay. I don't mind to be challenged because I did that too. <laughs> so, um, let's just say when I'm working with her skill, even now, um, she's incredibly claircognizant. So she's one of these psychics that just download, download. And that's the hardest Claire to get control around because it's happening so fast. You think you're thinking this stuff up when really it's just flying out of your mouth. So let's just say if I say, okay, I want to take you back to my uh, like childhood home. Let's go back to my grandma's house, 1980s. Um, she will just start talking. She, she will just start talking about the hollyhocks in front of the house, the dirt road on the side, the the vehicles kind of in the back pasture. She will talk about this, like, oh, I think even one time she saw this, like, pump thingy, which my grandma had this, like, w old water pump on the front of her property out in the circle. So she's just, like, downloading, and she's, and then when I have her slow down, she can see clairvoyantly. I mean, she can really describe what she's seeing, so that's clairvoyance. And then if I have her look at the people, she's much more blocked there. And so, you know, let, we'll, we'll talk about the three major things that block intuition. Let's just jump into that now. So the th three, four things that can get, that can block your intuition, number one is politeness. So let's just say in this particular situation, this client is very polite to people. Um, she's very kind of raised 1950s, you know, she's kind of got that. Um, it's not nice to talk about certain things. <laughs> it's, you know, you smile and nod and you be gracious. So you can imagine if I'm having her look at property, she's very confident, you know, she's looking, she's saying what she's getting. There's really nothing to lose. You're looking at land. But then when she hits a, a person and I'm having her use the exact same skills, she's using those clairs, but now, oh, well, she doesn't want to be rude or she doesn't want to be intrusive. And all of those things are lovely. Um, but let's just say this is an emergency situation and she has the ability to read a person. That politeness will block her urgent need to know the truth of that moment. So, um, you know, these are the, just some of the things we work through through mentorship. But um, the other things that can block intuition is shame. Like, so in my case, if I was to channel or say something honest, um, I would often get in trouble for it or be called a know-it-all or somebody would say something really nasty to me to basically get me to shut up. Um, so my intuition, I'd kind of get these feelings 
And if I dared say it, it said it out loud, you know, somebody, an adult or a sibling or who knows, whoever would say like, oh, what do you have a chip on your shoulder or, you know, there, there was, so there was a lot of shame put upon intuitive things that I got. Of course, I had no idea that's what I was doing, um, as most people don't. So the third one is fear and real fear of the vulnerability, um, because we uh, receiving, okay, so intuition is active, but getting messages is receiving and in being quiet enough and still enough and open enough to receive the truth, receive information, receive accurate psychic information is, it's a vulnerable, it's a vulnerable feeling. And most people don't want to feel out of control. So they don't bother asking. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't engage in their intuition just in case the truth is something they don't want to hear. Um, they, you, me, uh, you know, all of us can, can be in that state depending on, you know, of course what we're talking about. And intuition goes across all scopes of humanity. So some people are less afraid to use their intuition for like travel or um, buying a house or buying a car. You know, some people are really comfortable with their intuition that way. But if you say, you know, do you really feel like this is the person you want to marry? Uh, they'll just click right into their like logical brain. It won't dare touch that intuition for fear of the possibility that um, whom they're dating may not be the right one or, you know, I would say the fourth block of intuition is just simply not having a voice. Like I was a little kid that very much had a voice. I'd say what I'd got. And there was so much shaming and so much silencing that, um, you know, uh, by the time I sort of hit high school, I, I had, you know, I could be, I don't know how to say that, but let's just say by the time I hit high school, uh, if I had to say my name, that was almost impossible to do. I would blush and I would shake. And so, uh, you know, over the course of my life, my voice was very much taken away. And the beauty through intuition is intuition. Someday I'm going to do a course on this and a book. Um, but because if you feel voiceless in this particular moment, one of the doorways to finding your voice is trust and understanding and control of your intuition. It is a companion that gives you that voice to give, make you brave enough to be able to say what the hell you're thinking or feeling or whatever your truth is. I could talk all day about that, but I won't. It'll be for another time. So those are the four ways intuition can be uh, blocked or stopped. Okay, another thing this particular student does is um, uh, she she would never consider herself to have been an intuitive kid or a psychic kid. Um, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of dr dramatic things in the childhood home. Um, so her, she sort of contacts her intuition really heavily under um, imagination or daydreaming. So to recontext how she downloads psychic information that can be evidentially proven, um, and, and, you know, and to take this new skill that she's learning, that texture of how it feels for her when she's being claircognizant and how she's experiencing her clairvoyance, um, from that point, she can go back and look at childhood experiences 
And instead of contexting or filing it away in memory under daydreaming or fantasy or make-believe, um, she can relabel it, that was intuition. Those experiences I had of the images I got while I was quote-unquote daydreaming was actually guidance. And it's okay to keep daydreaming. Um but maybe an updated sort of note that daydreaming now falls under possible downloading psychic information or a psychic experience. Um, the images or the feelings that I had or the, the knowings that I had, in her case, claircognizance, was actually guidance coming from birth guides, coming from other guides perhaps, coming from remote viewing is another way we experience intuition so going forward, you know, it's like once we relabel or categorize it appropriately under that downloading is actual intuition and the downloading is her claircognizance. Now, today, when she's maybe driving or she's looking out her window, taking a break from work, instead of saying, look, I just made up a bunch of stuff in my head and not paying any attention to it, she can be like, I'm experiencing clairsentient experience here I'm actually getting psychic information and maybe her guides are telling her it's time for a new job or maybe her guides are telling her you know she needs to include something or exclude something in her diet you know our our, our intuition is speaking to us all the time and so instead of dismissing it rather she can go towards it knowing oh this is actually guidance this is my intuition speaking to me um Okay, another client, another story I want to tell you to, you know, start connecting the dots in your own life. Um, I have a client that is very clairsentient. So uh, it, how do you kind of know what somebody's strongest clair is, is in the language that they use? So if a student is talking to me and she's like, I feel, I feel, I feel, I know she's clairsentient because she's feeling the information. Um, so this particular student is from New York City. She's in her 60s. Um, <laughs> talk about being challenged. When I very first started working with her, uh, I had opened up mentorship 10 plus years ago now. And when I proposed it to her because I just knew how damn psychic she was, how incredibly psychic she was, she actually looked me in the eye and said, well, why would I do this? Like, she was not connected to her intuition at all in that context. Um, so I just said, because you're extremely psychic and I'd like to prove it to you. And she was very open to certain things. You know, she got into my group and she had practiced her intuition. And a lot of her, the way she labeled her intuition, her clairsentience was, I'm a New Yorker and I can read people. You know, which we can logically understand. Yeah, if you live in a city with that many people, you'd better be reading the room. You know, you better be reading the subway, the taxi, the guy walking down the street, the whatever. You're reading people all the time when you live in cities. Um, it's different for country people, but in her particular viewpoint, she's just a New Yorker that knows how to read people. That's how she labeled it. And that was that was a fine label. But she can read people because she's a New Yorker, but also because she's extremely psychic and she has a very developed clairsentient because of her 
upbringing because of being raised in New York City. Okay. So she's also a medium. And that one, she really had a hard time accepting or understanding. Um, And I would say the thing that was perhaps an obstacle is when you've experienced a lot of loss in your life, um, and you don't experience mediumship in the way you think you should, there's a disconnect. And so really just having her read my loved ones on the other side, and when she can bring in evidential clairvoyant information like telling me exactly how my grandfathers are dressed um that's pretty life-changing when she realized she had that type of skill so uh, again we are refiling we're relabeling these are not necessarily new skills um because she had this ability her whole life but under my direction we can label it under the appropriate you know, under intuition, and then under the appropriate Claire, and therefore going forward, or in this moment, and going forward, when she's having images of men dressed in certain outfits, or women that look a certain way, she instead of dismissing it, she can stop and go, oh my god, is there somebody standing here, you know, and, and I teach people how to sense out, um, to know what's around them, <laughs> Uh, so she's, again, I am, I am saying that most people have the gift already. People are wired to be able to read multi-dimensions. Um, not just a few of us that when our loved ones pass away, we get to keep talking to them. No, as humans, we have that. And I feel like our, our, there were generations on this earth that already knew that, um, they knew they could talk to their loved ones on the other side. I won't get into that, but we've lost it. So we need to get that back. We need to be mature around death and life. And it is through our mediumistic abilities as humans that we use our clairs to connect with our loved ones on the other side. And it needs to go under intuition, the language of our soul. And it is through our clairs that we can pick up this information so in the final, um, the final story I want to tell is, you know, that it's that personal story of, let's just say a student of mine uh, came in and every time I told her how incredibly intuitive she was and how it animated, she'd go, no, 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 that's my husband. Or no, 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 that's my son. You know, I can't be intuitive. I'm not psychic. It, you know, I... I had to roll my eyes privately <laughs> because I knew this woman was so incredibly talented. And over the course of a decade, it's like there there was an awareness, there was an awakening, there was finally such guidance and clarity. She was able to finally see herself and her talents and gifts and you know, it did take about 10 years for her to finally accept that these amazing things that I am mirroring back to her was her all along. And now she's finding her voice. And now she's able to understand instead of kind of bracing and being afraid or pushing it away and saying, no, 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 that's somebody else. It's like, 
oh no, I am getting this. So when I have her practice and use her skill, she's saying stuff to me that I can evidentially prove back to her. And so she's learning how her intuition feels within her own body or how she's experiencing it through her clairs. So there, you know, when somebody says, oh, you either know you're psychic, you're not, it's actually not that fine of a point because depending on your story and your history and maybe even your past lives, I'd say, especially with past life stuff, you could be contexting it wrong. You could be labeling it awful. <laughs> you know, we do. And I say this because uh, th that was my struggle too. I, I took a long time to organize my intuition, which is, uh, yeah, why I'm so passionate in helping you organize yours because it's life changing. And there's the confusion is incredible when we don't have things labeled appropriately or filed appropriately in the memory. So once we can see what, what we're doing today, we can see how we did it yesterday or how we did it when we we're children. We can refile it, relabel it under the umbrella of intuition, under the umbrella of Claire's. And we take that which who we were, put it into who we are, and we use that to build confidence and trust for our intuition today and in the future. So I have five five steps to relabel your intuition okay I'm going to keep them as simple as I can because they are rather simple okay so the first step is to ask yourself you know let's just say you're driving along and all of a sudden you have images and you normally just think you're daydreaming, so you follow that into thought, and then you come back to driving, and, and you just, it's, you, that's where you're at. You're just driving again. So instead, you, you, you know, how intuition works which would be to, let's say, you're driving, and you have images of a particular person. Uh, instead of, like, just following the thought process till it's over and we think nothing of it, just we want to stop and ask ourselves, step one, is this intuition? And at first, you know, maybe you're not clairaudient. Maybe you don't know how to access your clairaudience. Maybe you don't trust if you hear a yes. Maybe you think that's your thinking voice. These things can take time to refine. I don't want to dismiss how hard even just step one can be because a lot can come in to interfere with that. But to refine it, we just have to ask, is this intuition? And maybe we have a feeling of yes, or maybe we feel no. And if it feels kind of like, yeah, you know, it kind of feels like there's something more here. We want to step two, ask ourselves, our guides, we're, you know, God, sort of pray upwards, you know, is this a Claire? Am I using a Claire here? You know, am I thinking of somebody, i.e. you're kind of having a talk with them? That would be Claire audience. Am I thinking of somebody, you know, and I'm actually seeing images of them? That's your clairvoyance. Am I thinking of somebody, but actually I'm like feeling them? I feel that they feel sad right now or... Maybe they feel really excited, but maybe it's nervous. So we want to like ask more questions around that. That's clairsentience. Okay, that's intuition. Maybe we're getting intuition of somebody 20 years ago and we're trying, you know, our guides, our guidance is trying to get us more clarity over something we've contemplated for 20 years. So of all the things, we have to break it down. And the breakdown of step one, is this my intuition? Is this intuition? 
step two is what Claire, is this a Claire? Am I feeling something, seeing something, hearing something, knowing something? Is it a Claire? Okay. And step three, which Claire am I using to receive this information? So it's just a little push off of step two, right? Is this a Claire? Yes or no? (laughs) Is this a Claire? Yes or no? So the third step would be, well, which one? right? Like we talked about, am I feeling, am I seeing, am I knowing, am I hearing something? So the step four would be, uh, you know, to expand that we, so intuition, the, the part we get stuck on is we get it and then we don't know what the hell to do with it. So this five step process is to just get a little bit more texture to develop what you are receiving. So the step four is to go deeper. Um, my mentor did something really cool with me, right? So I I would typically scan for bad people and typically scan for worry. So let's just say I was pregnant and then I was at Barnes and Nobles with my two-year-old. And uh, so I'm in mentorship and I'm trying to get a grip on my intuition. And I go to Barnes and Noble, my little girl's playing with the little Thomas the Train set that they had or have at the Barnes and Nobles. This, this was actually in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. So these people walk in and there's this little girl trying to get her mom's attention. And I just, I feel like myself getting pissed off and annoyed. And I'm, I'm really just, it kind of ruins my moment because I can see this woman's totally ignoring this little kid. I can see this kid is desperate for attention and affection And so I I don't know why, but it upset me so much. I brought it into my mentorship with my mentor. And I said, you know, I read the, you know, I read this couple and the, they were ignoring the kid and the kid was so desperate and she goes, well, go deeper. And I, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, why are they ignoring the kid? So even from that moment, I could remote view, you know, the week before at Barnes Nobles where it's like, oh, this mom is tired this mom has no support. This mom took her kid to a child play area so the kid could play. You know, it's like, oh, I was actually just being kind of a judgmental asshole, wasn't I? I mean, if we can go deeper, then, then you know, it's like sometimes there's compassion there. There's clarity there. There's, man, I could have maybe acted different and maybe I could have encouraged my two-year-old to play with her little girl and you know, maybe she could have got even more of a break. Uh, so the, the step four is really critical in that, you know, sometimes I think that first pull off, like, like that first read on people can be sometimes more aggressive or, you know, there was one time I was taking my daughter to kindergarten and there was a gal I just did not trust. She was in a forerunner and, you know, I'd had my baby and he could walk, you know, he was about one at the time. I just did not trust this woman. And sure enough, we were crossing the little walkway and she was, she had her head turned and she started driving. Therefore, she damn near ran over my son and I. And of course, I wouldn't have let that happen. I was watching her because I didn't trust her. And so I had this like, just, I, it's like confirmed what I already knew about her. She's not paying attention. She's dangerous. And this like part four came up, like go deeper. And I found but in about a month's time, I actually kind of liked the gal. Like she's spaced out. She's got three kids. She's, she's not paying attention, but it's not because she's cruel or vicious or mean. It's like, she's an overwhelmed mom. (laughs) And like, I could relate actually. So 
it, it, it's just this, this go deeper. Like I just say that analogy, we're back into our cars and we're driving and we keep thinking about somebody, you know, there, there could be clarity there. If we take step four, go deeper. Why, why am I thinking of this person? Am I in the past? Am I in the future? Is this happening now? You know, so we, we want to start to learn to talk to our intuition. We want to ask questions and fill out the picture of what our intuition is trying to tell us. So I would say the step five, the, the final sort of simplistic step is to now make a decision. Like if we keep thinking about a friend and we're driving, like maybe we need to call the friend, right? So we, we do want to sort of button up this experience of intuition with an action. We want to make a decision. Is this intuition? Is it trying to tell me something? Is there something I need to do in this moment? Um, is there a clarification around something that happened 20 years ago that in this moment, my intuition is trying to provide me that clarity? So we do want to, we want to, I always say button up the energy because we want to peer it at the end of that sentence, i.e. we want to peer it at the end of that energy so that we don't just keep our guidance is trying to tell us something and we just push it away. And so it just keeps coming at us. We want to be more active, more interactive with the guidance that we get. So I'm confident with these five steps, this, this would be a really good way to get you slowing things down. So you're aware that intuition is happening, slowing things down. So you're aware of which Claire it's coming through, which Claire is the strongest in you. If you go to my website at katesaintclair.com, I have a quiz you can take to just even get you going on which is the strongest clear in you. Um, and then we want to ask some questions, you know, go deeper. Like, why is this person acting like this? Um, and if we have time, and sometimes we have to make time, we want to, what are we going to do about it? We want to make a decision about what we're going to do about the information that we received. So, Okay. So that was a lot of information. I'm pretty proud of myself. I kept it almost a half an hour. <laughs> um, I'm going to post this on my social media, of course, and I would love to hear any stories you have or maybe questions about Claire's you have. Me and uh, a team member will try to get back to you. Um, this isn't just, this is something everybody has. And for you to know which is the strongest Claire in you and how your intuition is connecting with you and trying to work with you is the transformation you need to be able to trust and control and um, have a relationship with your precious intuition. So if you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided.